Welcome to the podcast of Seven Rivers Presbyterian Church in Lakanto, Florida. Our passion is to be a church that enjoys God, experiences His grace, and reflects His love to our community and beyond. To join our local body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at sevenrivers.org. For the short time that I have, uh, I'm going to preach the entire Bible. Um, so, um, because what I want you to see is that um, Christmas is about going home. Christmas is about uh, the restoration of home. And that's what the Bible is about from beginning to end. So stand up uh, and I'm going to read the Bible. And uh, you'll uh, be able to follow on the screens as I Read. So, what is the very first words in all the Bible? Even if you're not a churchgoer, you may well know the very first words in all the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, what you might not know is that heaven and earth aren't separate. Like right now, we live where we live on earth, but we don't know heaven. We don't, we don't have, it's not the same place, right? But when God created the world, it's the same place. That's one thing. Heaven and earth is one thing. Now, if you know the Bible, it doesn't take three chapters before we lose heaven. Um, We lose heaven. God and man are separated. Um, And then Jesus comes. We know right in the middle of the Bible, Jesus comes. As a matter of fact, the book of Matthew. So the first words of the Bible, God creates heaven and earth. It's one place. It's our home. Heaven and earth are our home together. Um, It's lost. Jesus comes. He starts his ministry. One of the first words out of his mouth In um, Matthew chapter four, we read it. The very beginning of his ministry, the first thing Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the first thing he's talking about. Is heaven that was lost, I have come to restore it, right? So repent, turn to God because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heaven and earth are going to be the same again. And then go all the way to the end of the Bible, which is Revelation 21. And here I'm gonna read to you from God's word, you can follow on the screens. John in this great apocalyptic vision, the very last words of the Bible. So we had the words in the middle, words at the beginning, the middle, here at the end, all about the same thing, the restoration of our home. John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. There it is. God and man, heaven and earth, one place. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Is that true? Could that really be true? If there is such a place as that, don't you want to go there? That's what the Bible says. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Amen. This is the reading of God's holy, infallible, and inspired word. You may be seated Um, please. What do people want for Christmas more than anything else? Not an iPhone. 
What do they want for Christmas more than anything else? They want to go home. Home is home. We have almost a primal um, urge to go home. Publix makes these great Christmas um, commercials. And one of them, actually, it's like 14 years ago they made it. But I still watch it every year and I get choked up. And I don't get choked up at much except the Lightning winning the Stanley Cup. But the, um, um, it shows a, a young guy. He's like a, a, um, a, a medical resident. And so he just... Uh, you know, gets the short straw on Christmas Day. He's got to work. Uh, somebody's got to apparently be at the hospital on Christmas Day. And, and uh, so he's got to trudge through long hours on Christmas Day working. His family lives in cities, cities, cities far away. And uh, it shows him get off work, trudge out all by himself, get on a uh, mass transit, get on a bus. Nobody else is on the bus at all. He's riding by himself. He gets uh, to his apartment building. He's trudging up the steps. Christmas Day, he's all by himself. He, he, he calls his family and they're celebrating. They're, they're, uh, you can hear the plates clattering, the platters being served, the, the, the music sound. They're all the families together, all having a great time. Oh, great, he's alone. He trudges up his steps and he opens the door expecting an empty apartment and they're all in there. They'd all come, yeah, I like that. Oh, um, Home, well, it, 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 it compels us at Christmas time. Our airports are slammed. Our interstates are jammed. Everybody's heading home. What's the favorite Christmas song? I'll be, yeah, I'll be home for, was it Bing Crosby? I'll be home for Christmas. What's the source of this deep longing um, for home? Do you know that there were, there were German philosophers hundreds of years ago that realized that there was something in the human condition that all human beings um, shared. And they didn't know that there was a word for it. They said that human beings have this sort of unsettledness inside of them, um, uh, a sort of a, a longing that they have that compels them forward, but it's never satisfied. And they said there's no word for it. So they made up a word, they called it unheimlich, which means unhomeness, unhomeness. Home is is, is something we have to have, um, but nobody's finding it, and it leaves man perpetually empty. You know, Blaise Pascal said the same thing, didn't he? There's a God-shaped vacuum in every human heart, right? And that vacuum can't be filled by any created thing. Only God can fill that vacuum, but we will try, won't we? All our lives, we will try to fill that vacuum with something other than God. A couple of years ago, I saw a story of uh, Jack Harris. Jack um, was a British uh, guy and his wife died. He's 86 years old. His kids were afraid for him. His mind's going to atrophy. He's alone. Things aren't going to go good for him. So they get him like a 6,000 piece puzzle uh, to, uh, to work on. He loved puzzles. They get him the puzzle to work on. Interestingly enough for this account, it, the puzzle was uh, a, a great piece of artwork called The Return of the Prodigal Son, um, which is Jesus, uh, perhaps our favorite parable of Jesus, which has to do with someone going home. Someone going home. Well, anyway, uh, this gentleman, um, uh, Jack, um, works on that puzzle for eight years. Eight years. Gets all the way to the end. Uh, just a picture of him. He gets all the way to the end, and there's one piece missing tears up his apartment. He looks in the garbage. He looks in his vacuum cleaner bag. everywhere. He spent eight years and he can't finish the puzzle. There's one piece missing. It's a picture of life. It's a picture of life for us. Jesus 
said himself, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he, he loses his soul? In other words, what does it profit a man if you get everything, but you miss the one thing central? All of life, you live, you gain so much, and yet there's this inner longing that's never satisfied. So at its heart, what is Christmas about? It's about the restoration of home. You ready? All right, here's the outline. First thing we're gonna talk about in this restoration of home is somebody has to take the initiative, right? Somebody has to say, we're gonna do this. I remember my wife and I used to watch a show. I didn't remember what it was called. Nicole Curtis was the name of the woman. It was the first time we ever heard of HGTV. It's probably the worst thing that ever happened to me was the discovery of HGTV. And... Um, and uh, she would find these gems of homes. I think Minneapolis is where she lived and they would be just trashed, but they had been treasures, you know? And, uh, but obviously they'd, they'd sat there for years. Nobody cared. Somebody had to take the initiative, right? To restore these uh, places. So if, if home, it, this deep longing of our heart uh, needs to be restored, this relationship with God, who's gonna take the initiative? That's the point of Christmas. God breaks in, right? God takes the initiative. I think of those boys in Thailand. Uh, you remember the story a couple years ago. They won a soccer tournament to celebrate. For some reason, it must be a Thai tradition. They ran into a cave. And a um, and, uh, terrible thing happens, though. The monsoon rains start. The water's in the cave rise. And these 12 boys are hopelessly trapped. The water, it's the beginning of the monsoon season. They are sure to perish. Nobody can get to them. They have to mobilize, the, the Thai army is mobilized, their navy is mobilized, their, their divers from all over the world go. I mean, thousands, tens of thousands of people are mobilized to try to save these 12 boys, right? To get them what? Home. To get them out of there. To get them home and, and amazingly accomplished. Well, that's what God does. He puts on flesh and enters our world through the womb of a teenage girl to make a way for us to go home. You shall call. This is what the angel said uh, to Joseph. You shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God, God with us. God with us was always the plan. It was the original design, right? Experiencing home with God as our father. Um, you know, the, the story of the Bible isn't our searching for God. The story of the Bible is his pursuit of us. We didn't make God. He made us. He made the world. He wanted to do life with us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the Bible says that Adam and Eve, they actually walk with God in the cool of the day. Isn't that awesome? Some of you have been married a long time and you know what it's like if you could come home for, from, uh, maybe this is a post-kid experience in marriage, but you could come home at the end of the day and you and your wife could sit on the porch, maybe have a glass of wine together, maybe you take a walk, you hold hands and you recount the day together, right? And you have this connection, this community, this fellowship. The Bible says we had that with God. We had that with God. He walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. We were made for this uh, intimacy. And this longing to be with God is in our DNA. The Bible says the eternity is written in our hearts. In other words, all of us know we were made for the home that we lost. That's why there's this constant unsettledness in our soul. There's a song inside of us that we hear it and it's calling us uh, to go home. Um, it's true, uh, by the way, um, 
you, you know, you know what that experience is. If you're Irish, if you're Irish, there's a certain song when, when they start playing it or they start singing it, you just stop and, and you gather yourself. And, and even in a drunken stupor, not making any assertions about cultural stereotypes. Um, but when they start playing Danny Boy, every Irish heart just melts, right? Think about if you're Scottish, what's, uh, what's, what's that? It's not so much a song. It's when you hear the, the bagpipes playing, you know, and you think of the highlands and you're drawn and you just long for uh, the mother country. You long for home. You know what the Bible says? There's a song deep inside of us and we hear it. It's beckoning us. It's inside of us. This longing to be with God is deep, um, uh, deep in us. Um, you know, you could be a non-Christian, you could be an atheist, you could be a Druid, and this longing lives in you. I, I love the account of Sophia Cavaletti. She was a researcher, a university researcher, and she studied spirituality in little children. And uh, she tells the story of a little three-year-old girl who it's growing up in a home where the parents are atheists. They're, they're, they're not Christians. They, there's no Bible. There's no talk of God, nothing. But when she's three years old, she asks her parents, um, where did the world come from? And her dad sits her down and he, he gives her a very uh, naturalistic uh, answer, right? Uh, it has to do with evolution. It has to do with um, biology. It has to do with uh, chance and, and, the, and over, over billions and billions of years. And, and all of this leads to where we are today. She's looking at him kind of quizzically. And he said, but, but I want to be fair. I want to be fair. There are a lot of people who think that, uh, that the world came from, there's a very wise being. They call that being God. And that, uh, that out of his wisdom and his power, he made the world. And with that, her eyes got really big and bright. And she said, I knew what you were telling me wasn't true because I know him. I know him. Um, it's inside of us. Eternity. Michelangelo and his, perhaps some of you have had the privilege of going to the Sistine Chapel. And if you're willing to crane your neck, because this is on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, you'll see one of the most uh, Fabulous pieces of art ever created in the world. And it's a picture of God and Adam, right? Um, and, and, and what Michelangelo envisions is, is God's soaring through the skies. See the, see the cloth dangling down there? You can see the motion in all of this. And you can see he's turned at the waist because he's reaching uh, out for, uh, to make connection with Adam. He's, his, his, his muscles are taut. Uh, his face is stern and intent. His finger is pointing. His arm is Pointing with all he's got, he's, 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 he's that close. So we talk about our search for God. We talk about how much we um, need God. But the marvel of the Bible is that God seems to want to have connection with us. That God made us for that. You know what Jesus said? In my Father's house are many rooms. And I go to make a place for you. The Bible screams, God says, come home, come home. I want you home. Listen, um, this Christmas, hear the music, hear the music inside your soul that beckons you home. So not only does God take the initiative, but second, we have to consider 
Why did, why did Jesus have to come into the world to get us home? What happened? How did we get separated? How did we lose? How did Unheimlich become a thing that everybody's got this inner angst um, that they have to deal with? And the angel, remember, said to Joseph, Mary will um, bear a son and you'll call his name Jesus, which means God saves Jesus. You'll call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Um, God saves us. He saves us. You know, the Old Testament in Isaiah says, your sins have made a separation between you and your God. God's design was to do life with us, but we ruined it. We, we divorced him. Um, God with us, life with God became, no thanks God, I can do it myself. I can really run my life better without you. Um, I, w- I wonder how, how many of you have ever experienced um, the middle finger, getting the middle finger. I was driving on the turnpike recently and I decided to change lanes, which I think is my God-given right. And um, it just so happened there was a car there, seemed to be there previously to my, previous to my um, interest in being in that lane. And uh, as I made my way over, they made their displeasure known. And uh, they honked the horn. I quickly and uh, very skillfully corrected my um, car. And, uh, but they couldn't let it go. They had to pull up next to me. They had to sort of slide their car dangerously close to me. And then I made the mistake of looking in their direction. And that's when they waved. <laughs> Only it didn't look quite like this. There were less fingers involved. Um, and, and, the, and they shouted from within their car a greeting. It was a two-word greeting. <laughs> Merry Christmas, I'm sure, is what. You know, honestly, um, it's startling, but it's also good to remember that's what we gave God. We gave God the middle finger. And when we did, heaven and earth were fractured. We broke the world. We look at our broken world today and what happened? I'll tell you what happened, we did. They asked, uh, Solzhenitsyn wrote perhaps the greatest novel of the last century, The Gulag Archipelago. He made a study, actually a multi-volume study too of the history of of Russia. Honestly, one of the greatest works of art ever in world history. He traveled around and talked to people in every corner of Russia and, and he asked them, what's become of us? We have the highest alcoholism rate. We have mass abortion. We have broken homes and divorces and spousal abuse. And, and our country is a wreck. What happened to us? And he said what he heard over and over and over, particularly from the elderly, particularly from the babushkas, you know, the grandmas. They said, we have forgotten God. We have forgotten God. We divorced God. That's what happened um, to us. Um, I got to tell you, who's Time's person of the year? Who's Time Magazine's person of the year? I think I got this right, right? Taylor Swift, (laughs) the fourth person of the Trinity. Um, (laughs) You know, Taylor Swift, just look at this young lady. She's still young. She's talented. What a performer, gifted songwriter, businesswoman, stinking filthy rich. And on top of that, she has Travis Kelsey. But we know this, she's unheimlich. 
We know this, that whatever she has, it won't satisfy the deepest longings of her heart because every year, and we could recount it, at the end of the year, they have those lists of all the people who died the last year. How many years do we hear those lists? And how many of them are people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s who are entertainers or athletes that were the most famous, richest, the Anthony Bourdain's of this world, right? They killed themselves. They died of drug overdoses. Because we can't fill that hole inside of ourselves. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was in prison in um, uh, 1944. Adolf Hitler, he's in prison. He's a, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor, Lutheran pastor, who um, preached against Nazism. He ended up in prison. Well, he also ended up in prison because he tried to kill Hitler um, along with others. And uh, Hitler hung Bonhoeffer with, he was hung by piano wire uh, like days before Hitler killed himself. Almost Hitler's last act was to make sure Bonhoeffer was dead. And uh, Bonhoeffer said, when he spent his last Christmas in prison, he said, it just makes sense. You know, most doors, the lock is on the inside, right? In our homes, the lock is on the inside, so you can unlock the door and you can go out. He said, when you're in prison, the lock's on the outside. You can't get out. Somebody has to come from the outside and open the door. He said, it's the perfect analogy for Christmas. To get out and to get home, Jesus had to come and open the door so we could escape the prison of our own narcissism and lostness. You know, um, uh, I knew a pastor tells his story. He was a, a professor in Philadelphia at a college, well-known Christian college, um, an extraordinary preacher, and uh, he got invited to speak at a Pentecostal um, uh, a school, college near him. So he went to speak in their chapel. And he said, because uh, it was Pentecostal, they had to pray for him before he spoke. And uh, there was like eight of them. And they took him down in the basement. And they got around him. And they got him on his knees. And they laid hands on him. And they wouldn't stop. And, um, and he said, um, he said uh, one of the guys just kind of went off. He was praying, um, uh, Jesus, you gotta, uh, you gotta intervene. You gotta help Charlie Stolfus. He told me this morning, Charlie Stolfus is leaving his um, wife. He's leaving his children. He's abandoning them. He's determined to do it. Jesus, you gotta do something. Then somebody else would pray. They'd come right back and say, Jesus, I'm still talking about Charlie. Uh, and this guy's thinking, I gotta go preach. I thought they were gonna like pray for me that God would anoint the service I'm in. He's praying about some guy named Charlie. And the guy kept going, Charlie, Jesus, Charlie, you know, lives in that um, a silver double wide trailer down on the end of Elm Street, uh, 1411 Elm. Uh, that's where Charlie lives. And, and, and <laughs> the pastor said, he's thinking, yeah, God's up there with a pad. Say it again. Say it again. Let me get that number down so I don't forget. And uh, anyway, it was just bizarre. And uh, he speaks in chapel. It goes well. He gets in his car to head um, home, gets up on the Pennsylvania turnpike. He's gone a ways and there's a guy hitchhiking on the turnpike. He's a pastor. He thinks you pick up a hitchhiker because you might get a good story. You can use it for an illustration. And um, he, um, he picks up this guy and he says, hi, my name's Tony. And the guy says, well, hi, I'm Charlie Stoltzfus. <laughs> hey, this is a true story. It's not a pastor story. It's a true story. And um, he actually gets off uh, the turnpike. The next exit goes over the uh, overpass, gets right back on the turnpike, going back the way he um, came. And uh, Charlie said, uh, um, where are you going? Uh, and he said, I'm going to take you home because you um, left your wife and your kids today. 
And uh, this guy in the front seat, Charlie, starts to like press against the window. What kind of nutcase is this? What, uh, and when he actually pulls off at the right exit and starts and, and turns onto his road, he says, how do you know where I live? And um, pastor said, God told me. And he brought him home. His wife barreled out the front door. They had a tearful reunion. Charlie's whispering in her ear the whole time. And her eyes are getting wider and wider about this guy who showed up and uh, knew he was running away. He went inside that house. He led them to faith in Jesus. Charlie Stultzfus became a pastor in California. There are people here tonight that are running away from God. You know what? He wants you home. How do I know that? He told me. And you know what he told me to tell you? Go home. Go home. That's what Christmas is about. And that's what you really want. And it's the only thing that will satisfy you. So how do you get home? How do we get home? It's costly. House restoration is costly. You know, like on house hunters and stuff, when someone says, oh, the, the realtor says, oh, that, a whole new kitchen, that'll be like, that'll be a couple thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, right. 50 grand. It's very costly. House restoration. What will it cost us to go home? Um, Revelation 25 has a description of that restoration. It says what? New heaven and a new earth. It says in verse three, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. God will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. No more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. That's restoration. That's where we're going. But how do we pay for it? How do we become worthy of that? If you look at the verse six, just a couple verses down from that. I didn't read it before. It says, to the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. I will give you all this, Jesus said, and you don't pay because I pay. Jesus left heaven and came to pay for it. Every other religion in the world says, if you want to be right with God, if you want heaven, if you want the love of God, if you want to be in the family, you pay for it. You straighten up your life. You keep the rules. You keep the fast. You follow it. And if you don't do it well enough, you're out. Only Jesus said, I got you. I got you. Come home. Why do you think I came to earth? Why do you think Jesus humiliated himself? Why do you think the creator of the universe became uh, that small living in the womb of one of his own creation? Why do you think he was born in all the blood and guts and yuck and ick of birth? Why do you think he became a baby who wet himself? Why do you think his parents dropped him into a, a feeding trough, humiliated? He humiliated himself. The God of the universe came all the way down in order that he might die beaten, bleeding, abandoned, and naked to pay for our sins and our transgressions so that we could go home. He pays it all. Mark Twain wrote the story, you know, of, of uh, Huck Finn. And in his story, you know, Huck has a runaway slave and that uh, Huck reads that his preacher says that if you've got a runaway slave and you don't turn them in, then you're going to burn in the fire of hell. Huck doesn't want to go to hell. 
He's got, a, he's got Jim. Jim's a runaway slave. Jim's his companion. So he writes to Jim's owner, slave owner, and tells him where he can find Jim. And he's, he's going to seal that letter. And then he thinks, I mean, Jim's my friend. I mean, Jim defends me. I, I've slept many a night because Jim didn't sleep. He watched over me. Jim, Jim and I have eaten meals together. Jim and I are like brothers. But, but what do I do if I... If I don't turn Jim in, I'm going to burn in the fires of hell. And Huck said, well, I love Jim. I'll go to hell. That's what Jesus said. He says, I love you. And because of that, I'll go to hell. Pastor, is that just being dramatic? No, that's actually the Apostles' Creed. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, dead, and buried, and he descended into what? Hell. He went, he went to hell so that you could go home. Now, if you're here tonight and you struggle to believe this, I want to tell you, I know. Christians can be so arrogant it's hard to ever consider that you'd want to be one of them. And churches can be the worst argument for Christianity. But in your heart of hearts, you know you are made for home. And on this Christmas, I offer you the best gift you could ever receive. Jesus, the creator of the universe, says, I came into the world for you. Come home. Go home. Stop fighting. Go home. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, dying's hard and we fight you. We fight you. We fight with you. We fight you. We think we can make it. We think we can make life work on our own terms. But this Christmas day, you've drawn close and you've told us to go home. And I pray that there'll be people in this room as there are almost every Christmas Eve who say that Christmas Eve, and and this is my prayer, Christmas Eve 2023 is the beginning for some people of doing life where that God-shaped hole is filled for the first time. Oh Lord Jesus, We're coming home. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Seven Rivers, please visit our website at sevenrivers.org.